You're quite hostile. I got a right to be hostile, man. My people been persecuted. With fights, I hold the mic to fight. With force, I keep it away, of course. This is the Here You Are Wasa podcast. It's a special edition. Uh, in advance of Tuesday's city council meeting, we interviewed and sat with uh, Christian Schock of the Economic Development Office here in Wausau to talk about the Sears project. Thanks for doing this, Christian. And uh, if you want more information, please go to our website, hereyouarewasa.com. So I'm here with uh, Christian Schock. Christian, can you tell us your title? Sure. I'm interim director of community economic development planning stuff for the and, city. And what were you, was your title different before you were called interim? Well, I guess, yeah, I was economic development only. Okay, good. Okay. So one of the things that I'm interested in, and, and I, I am a little bit of a cult of personality guy, but how did you get to Wausau? Sure. Well, um, I guess just, um, just luck, you'd say, but, um, I, um, it, well, truth be told, it was my wife's physician that first brought us here. Um, and then for about a year, not quite a year, I guess, I commuted back to my um, previous job, which was in Ohio. Um, and I enjoyed it and, you know, liked doing it. So we just did that for a while. But I was, um, I was living here, at least on the weekends. And enjoying and enjoying Wausau as a town, and um, and then this position with the city opened, and I had met some people, mainly because of um, work I had done on a historic house that we were renovating. So I knew just a few people in town, and they were like, "Oh, you should should do that job." And I thought, "Well, this is what I do, um, like as a as a vocation. I just do it in Ohio." and um, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I will. And so, and since that time I've, I've been here Good. full time. So how long have you been with the city? A year and a half. Oh, okay. I, I always, for whatever reason, I just, I have a hard time with years and months. So I just assumed it was longer, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it just feels longer to yeah, you, know? but sure. I guess uh, the, um, no, I guess it's almost at, at this point, it's almost two years, sure. you know, okay. but, um, but yeah, I was saying a year and a half, but I think, um, trying to remember, maybe I started in March. So yeah, so we're approaching, it's it's more than a half. It's more like a year and seven eighths. Yeah. Okay. One second. Okay. Um, so uh, we're, we want to talk about uh, the Sears project. Is that what we're calling it? The Sears building? Or are we calling it something else at this point? Well, we've not given it any gussied up um, okay. other <laughs> other name. I guess it's just redevelopment of the Sears property. Sure. Sure. So, for we're just going to refer to it as the Sears Building for now. That's that's good. So, one of the things that I'm interested in is when did uh, when did this start? As as uh, sort of when did the city become aware that we're going to need to have to we're going to need to do something. Sure. That's a great question. I think, you know, um, it, this whole process has been, um, you know, kind of interesting to follow the, the many twists and turns as the world turns here. Soap opera that is the mall. And um, I think, you know, the interesting thing is, as we were discussing, as, as I think many folks know, um, an option to move Yonkers to pennies, um, you know, we had many, many discussions with Sears corporate about the future of this, of this location. And, um, even up to two weeks before the announcement of this building, um, you know, closing or this facility closing Sears corporate had always told us the city that they were not closing the store. Um, and in fact, it was late May that they came out with the first, um, set of closings that they announced, uh, last year. Um, and we were not on the list as expected because they told us we weren't going to be on the list. And we said, fine, you know, I mean, it wasn't like necessarily that, um, we had an opinion either way, but we wanted to understand obviously the landscape of the, you know, kind of players involved in, in the projects. But I think as, as a lot of folks also know, you know, Sears itself has been, um, kind of twisting in the wind with lots of changes. And, 
Um, after they came out with that initial list, there was a lot of investor pressure and other pressures that they hadn't cut deep enough or that their list was not um, robust enough. So they went back to the drawing board and then they added our our facility just a couple of days um, after the original announcement. So um, this would have been, you know, to answer your question directly is, you know, by early June, we knew that you know, this facility was going to be closing. Um, and I think folks also kind of know, but there is, you know, the city is intrinsically tied to the mall. Um, this has brought a lot of benefit to the city over the years. Um, you know, unlike a lot of other malls in the country, we have um, you know, kind of unduly benefited from this facility because of a special provision in the land lease, because we own the land under the mall um, that provides 10% of excess cash flow of the mall to the city as a direct payment um, annually since the project was initiated. And there were many years, especially back in the heyday 80s, where that payment was quite significant, um, you know, and, and made to the, made to the city. So, you know, we've, we've had this relationship, if you will, at one time, a, a very lucrative relationship. And I think everyone kind of acknowledges now a bit of a challenging relationship, um, because obviously enclosed malls are changing and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's challenging to reposition a mall and, and this is kind of the situation. So given that background, um, when the Sears announcement was made, we knew that um, obviously the taxpayers have a innate, you could call it responsibility, opportunity, whatever adjective you want to use um, to be to make sure that the Sears location was repositioned um, as fast as possible. And our concern was that if it got mired in the other hundreds, literally hundreds or thousands of properties that Sears holdings has to dispose of that it could take months years for them to make a decision as to how to liquidate the property whether that would be through a process a listing for sale through a realtor organization an auction you know there's a lot of ways that it could take um could take uh take place but um we were concerned that it would take time and it and it, it does take time um, a lot of other locations and during that time we'd have a big chunk of downtown kind of wallowing a boarded up building doing you know not providing any activity um, you know attached to our parking deck which we you know which which we as taxpayers built and paid for with this you know to, to facilitate these programs and then you know here it is underperforming so I think that was the crux or the foundation of that from a timing perspective and led the city to then say, we should contact Sears Holdings and understand what the landscape would be for, um, for potentially trying to move the process forward faster than, say, the normal, the normal disposition. So that, I, I find it all fascinating, and I, and I just want to be disclosing, because it's my podcast, um, so my family, uh, and I don't know that you know this, owned a business that was displaced literally by Sears. So oh, okay. I didn't for, know that. For three generations, my family owned something called the, or a business called the Hotel Northern, the Northern okay. Hotel. So that was, okay. it was at Fifth and Jackson. And, sure. uh, and it was, it's, it was in three generations of my father's family. And it's what brought uh, my father and, and our family up from Chicago and it's okay uh, it's I I always find it hilarious because that was I mean that was where my childhood was right around fifth and Jackson and it's also where uh the very first Angelo's pizza was because because my father and Angelo were best friends and they came together and and Angelo started a pizza in the basement or uh a pizza restaurant in the basement of the hotel when you still could have restaurants in basements which you obviously can't anymore <laughs> that that's that's very cool you yeah know, so and i think it's very fascinating this really then kind of hits um hits home yeah you know, it, so. it's always one of those things like as i sit here i have on my wall before the mall came my father paid a helicopter pilot and uh, a man named ray toburin a photographer in the area to take pictures of downtown and we we literally have them up poster size of in our house. And so 
every day I get to see where the mall <laughs> is what or where the mall is now, but before it was the mall. So it's it's a lot of fun for me. So this is it's it's both fascinating on sort of a kind of local, you know, interesting story, and it's also really kind of fun because it's like that is the, the fifth in Jackson was literally where I played as a child. So yeah, it's a lot of fun that way. Um, sure. And what's interesting, I guess, is, you know, the opportunity to look at maybe a little revisionist history sure. and try to understand what it would be had we not, you know, made choices that we made, you know, oh it's, um, oh, yeah, right. Like very fascinating to have that. And who, when you go down that rabbit hole, maybe it's, even too hard to make sense of. But, you know, obviously wearing my planning hat, you know, no urban planner is going to recommend you build a gigantic enclosed downtown mall in your downtown um, today. You know, this is uh, clearly, (laughs) you know, um, and frankly, if we had the urban fabric that we had at that time today, it would be it would be vastly better for the community. Right. I think it would. um, it would, you know, there's been lots of studies that showed, you know, the what a planner would call like the finer or incremental grain of the urban fabric is more sustainable. It's more adaptable and it would be more valuable to the city as a whole if it was still all here. You know, now, you know, the fa- but the fact is in 1980, you know, that was a, a very different area and the city did benefit from, you know, 30 plus years of you know, of um, of lots of positive things from the establishment of the mall, because the mall did kind of allow you know its location downtown allowed downtown Wausau to still be the center of retail activity and the center of commercial um, kind of activity or commercial um, things that are going on um, that a lot of other communities our size did not have, you right. know, um, and if you look at other peer communities, something like Eau Claire or Rockford or something like that, where, you know, they built them all on the, on the outskirts of town, it drew all the energy out of downtown and the downtown plummeted for a good decade. Now, a lot of those are now coming back because the fabric and the, you know, the architecture, the grain, if you will, of the urban, you know, environment is marketable. And so now they've been kind of reclaiming that. And frankly, if we had eight blocks of urban old buildings and old hotels, that would be awesome, actually. You know, they'd be they'd be very marketable to cool businesses. But um, but they probably would have sat vacant for a good decade, right. um, potentially. And and the city would have lost that revenue during that key decade, whereas we gained it. You know, yeah. we um, we had that energy. We had the volume. We had um, this very lucrative deal to receive payments from the mall. And we had all these people coming downtown that wouldn't have normally or wouldn't have come down if the mall wasn't here. And so, you know, it's an interesting, you know, kind of, uh, you know, um, it's really fascinating to kind of debate that. So. Oh, yeah, it, re- it really is. And I also like historically. So our, our family business, the hotel was, I think, about 120 years old at the time. Okay. And uh and like we still have the photocopy of the check from the city of Wausau. And we in <laughs> in those dollars we got paid $380,000. Okay, cool. And we, and we just came away thinking we are friggin' millionaires, you know. <laughs> and I was I was a, a little boy, so it was just one of those things where like that sure. check was the coolest thing ever. And so <laughs> it it we're, I'm I'm always I my family is always tied to that, so I really enjoy it. So, let's so your father was a was a willing seller, or was there debate no, in the oh family, no, or no, was there a lot oh of no? We okay, no. okay. No, if, I I don't know if there's any old timers left, but yeah, I I I think we went around and you know had petitions and all of that sort of okay, thing. okay. But uh, you know, it was it was uh, just because it was sort. of, I think that you know change is always hard, but it it really sort of that money bankrolled our family's future and stuff. So I think it was. I mean. I don't I don't look back on it with any ill will at all. I mean, when I was a teenager, I lived at the mall. So it was, you know, it, it was <laughs> yeah. one of those things where, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I would say that my, my father and my uncle were because uh, they came up together, were unwilling sellers, you know. But at the same time, my dad, I think, just went, 
yeah, okay, we fought for a minute. That's we're not going to win this fight. Let's just take the check. You know, I see. I, okay. I think that that's how it went. I know that there were lots of people who sort of fought, but uh, we fought for a minute and then kind of gave in. You know, I don't. It was. It wasn't. Uh, I it sort of. It wasn't a blood vendetta or anything like that. But uh, okay, fascinating. So let's get back to what it is now, though. So, um, so you guys went through that process. Uh, how long? How long did it take uh, the city to to make a decision to move forward into? enacting the plan and we'll get to the plan now but how long how long was that decision making process between realizing okay i think we have to do something to okay we just did something you know how long was that sure so um so keep in mind too um because the city still owns the land underneath them all this is a strange relationship sears owned a lease that lease was from the mall to sears and the mall leases the land from the city. So the city is called an overlandlord. The mall is the landlord, and Sears was the tenant. What we did was buy Sears' lease, which goes until 2066. Okay. And so the weird thing is the city now owns both ends of this agreement. The city is the overlandlord, and the city is also the tenant. An unusual relationship. And the mall is in between, if you will. Um. And so, you know, in theory, the city pays rent to the mall. The mall pays rent back to the city. (laughs) It's an unusual kind of thing. Now, um, so, you know, keep in mind. So what we bought from Sears is a lease. It's a lease of the land and the existing building that sits upon that sits upon the property. It was built, you know, obviously in 80, 82 or so. Okay, good. So Um, that's that's interesting. I want to I want to interrupt you for a second. So go ahead. So first off, do we, does the city actually pay rent to the Wassa Center? We, we would. I mean, um, the rent was already paid for okay. this year, you know, and, um, you know, it's a de minimis amount of rent. It's actually $3,000 or so a year, okay. which obviously isn't a lot of no. money. Um, and, you know, that deal was basically just struck to attract Sears to come to this location. Right, yeah. So, again, the mall rents land from the city. The mall pays a, a fairly generous rent uh, when you consider it. They sure. pay a base yeah. rent. They pay the 10 percent excess cash flow rent. And they also pay an extra kicker for the maintenance and um, and use of the parking decks. Sure. OK, so their rent is, um, you know, many years is hundreds of thousands of dollars. In total, uh, it fluctuates a lot depending right. on the excess cash flow. But, you know, folks should know the mall still makes money. Last right. year, they made an excess cash flow payment. They Every year, they've made an excess cash flow payment. They're a lot smaller than they were, you know, back in the day, obviously. Um, but, you know, but they still make those payments. So it's, um, you know, obviously, we we haven't made that payment. But, you know, I guess if we held it for, you know, for however long then we would make that payment. Obviously we don't plan on doing that because we hope to you know, reposition it and, and get rid of that, right. you know, get, you know um, move it forward. Um, and we have discussed and we are discussing with, with them all the idea of kind of what, what, what lawyers would call collapsing the lease sure. so that the mall is out of the equation and that basically we're just leasing the land to the new developer, whoever that is, as you know, the committees have recommended MyCon Theaters or MyCon Cinemas to be the, the the chosen entity. Assuming that the Common Council, you know, um, you know, chooses that, then they would be then we'd be essentially leasing. Um, the city would be leasing them, you know, the property again until 2066. Okay, good. So then, so I didn't know that that adds a cool wrinkle that I didn't know about. So who who is the mall owner? The, well, the mall. Okay, so the yeah, interesting. So the mall was developed, you know, by JVJ Jacobs, you know, group, which is a which is a mall developer from Cleveland, um, and um, that you know that's who developed Wasa Center initially. That's who, say, for example, Mark Craig worked for, you know, back in the day, and and you know, like when the mall was having its heyday. Um, they sold the mall as part of a whole portfolio, meaning that it wasn't sold individually. They right. basically got out of the mall business and they sold it to CBL. Um, CBL, um, you know, Charles Leibowitz, his business is, was, is still one of the top, you know, kind of like three or 
three, I think three or at least four mall owners in the country. Um, and they own various different enclosed malls. I think 149 or something like that enclosed malls. Um, they bought all of Jacob's malls. And so then they owned the mall or they did. And, um, then as I think as lots of folks know, um, you know, we had worked with CBL, um, CBL in various kind of ways was, you know, not, you know, I guess maybe not moving Wasa Center forward for various reasons. One is that they have lots of locations to worry about. They have, um, you know, their attention is obviously not on smaller markets. Um, and, you know, so the city had taken kind of an aggressive stance and, and, you know, and, and Mayor Milky had taken a very aggressive stance to say, you know, CBL either commits and moves forward or they kind of move out of the way. And that's the kind of terminology that, uh, you know, that we've been using that he was using to say, you know, you either move this forward or you get out of the way. They kind of chose, if you will, to get out of the way and they've returned the mall to the lender. So it's kind of, you know, it's okay. kind of like, when you, you know, so the owner is still technically CBL, but it has a receiver now okay. um, who has been a court appointed. And um, that receiver is Mid-America Asset Management, which is a real estate uh, company and landlord, if you will, asset manager, um, a big, big player in retail in Wisconsin. Um, and the and they kind of they're appointed as the receiver and the bondholders, which are represented by a loan servicer. So basically the bank, um, not a traditional bank in the general or kind of way in which we know banks, but rather a special firm that was servicing the loan because this is considered a consolidated mortgage backed security, which is essentially a pooled group of of commercial debt okay. and a, a loan servicer is appointed to service the, that pool. And that firm is called Rialto Capital. They're based in Miami um, and they have, you know, they have various different uh, roles, you know, as, as, or they service various different loans, you know, kind of on commercial debt across the country. Um, so they're, they're kind of the, um, you know, they're the bondholders. So we work with them. We work with Mid-America and, um, and obviously now CBL is out of the picture. And so have we, we no longer are involved dealing with them. Okay, good. So one of, one of the things to, to try to simplify this, one of the things that you talked about was, uh, the city owns now has taken on the, the lease of the Sears property and would, would be, a tenant of the multiple people that you just listed who I wouldn't even know. Yes. You're, I don't even know who would be technically the landlord in that long list of things. But yeah. anyway, so, well, in the, so technically the landlord is the receiver. Okay, That's good. a court appointed okay. landlord. The receiver is empowered to act as landlord good. and make okay. decisions as landlord. So, so mid America asset management is the, is the landlord. If you have, will. have you begun to, to talk to mid America, the receiver about, these plans for either the home shop, the home sure. store or the movie theater. Well, of course. Yeah. So, you know, back in October, we said, OK, we've bought, you know, well, f first of all, the mayor kind of led the charge to, you know, push CBL to make a decision. Um, we issued a notice of noncompliance and nonperformance to CBL. And we said, you have to do various things. Sure. Many of them were relatively minor things that, you know, that were working themselves out. But we kind of said, you need to, you know, this is just kind of like we're crossing every T and we're going to watch everything you're doing again, you know, get moving or get out of the way. They chose to get out of the way. So obviously that, you know, kind of moved it forward. Um, then, you know, with the Sears announcement, um, again, not expected, but well, not anticipated, but expected, you know, we'd always talked about, Sears is not long for this world. Right. There was much discussion of what we would do with the Sears building. But a lot of the discussion, because corporate had provided guidance to us that it would not close this year, a lot of the considerations were, well, we can worry about repositioning Sears in a year or two. You know, the idea was obviously to 
you know, reposition Yonkers at this point and then work to reposition the existing Yonkers and then work to reposition Sears when Sears eventually goes bankrupt, whether that's in a year or two years or three years. Um, but just kind of move that process. Obviously, their announcement moved that process faster or forward. Um, and we had to deal with it faster. So, you know, obviously the council was very involved from the beginning about talking through what the options are, you know, waiting for Sears to make a decision or given the feedback we got from Sears, they said, yeah, we would entertain an option. If you could close quickly, um, we would sell to the city directly. Um, and so we felt it was worth doing because we felt that there are there were interested parties, um, you know, interested in the mall and in, in Sears especially. And we felt that, you know, we'd be able to reposition it quickly and faster than if we waited for Sears to make a decision. And so that's when the council, you know, kind of gave gave the approval to go ahead and, and um, you know, begin negotiations with Sears and then which, you know, started obviously around August or so. And then, you know, the and then we released an RFP in October um, to kind of move the process forward and understand what options would be possible. And so, you know, obviously, folks know the city goes through a very public process. You know, we don't strike deals behind the scenes. So we you know, release the RFP so that all the interested parties could make public their proposals and everyone could see what opportunities would um, potentially could happen there pretty quickly. And I think, you know, that's when we got two proposals, um, one from Home Furniture and one from, you know, Mike on Cinemas. And I think both were, if you will, good proposals in the sense that they, you know, um, were going to bring new users and new opportunities, you know, to the space and make sure that it was um, performing again and, and, you know, doing the things that it, that it should for the city. <laughs> good. So, so then let's let's just kind of have some fun with nuts and bolts here. So how much did we pay for the lease? So yes, we bought the lease for $650,000. So okay, good. So there's if if you believe the internet that's either a high number or a low number or you're all insane. Um so is is that sort of just you can debate it and you could yeah, you, know, you can call someone else and they could give you an answer. I think if you ask any commercial realtor, right. they will tell you that it's a good price. Okay, good. Um, that property would sell for for a lot more okay. on the open market. Now, it's not an open market sale, so right. that's the discount. But if you do a search right now, say on LoopNet, which is the national database of commercial properties, and we, of course, have done this, you know, you can search. We selected six adjacent states. Every property over 60,000 square feet, you know, how much is it selling for? Well, you can see this is selling for, this was exchanged far less. Now, folks, had, you know, I think someone had found an example where, you know, Bonton stores had sold a building to CBL for less, sure. for example, you know. But again, that's certainly not an open, open deal um, because Bonton stores is in bed with CBL in like 50 different malls. Okay. And so it's a, you know, this is kind of like I'm selling to my, to my, <laughs> you know, to my friend right. or, or rather selling to my, um, <laughs> to my, to to my kidnapper relative, either right. way, you exactly. know, like, <laughs> but it's a, it's an incestuous relationship. It's not a, it's not a market transaction. But, um, they're, they're already um, heavily involved with each other from a real estate perspective. Sure. So then, and they but, swap out stuff all the time. Good. So, so then as, as a professional, that number seem, seemed okay to you? Oh, yeah. That number is a deal by okay. any standard. Um, Mid-America would tell you, anyone would tell you that, that that is a, a deal for the property. Now, consider and, and we, you know, just objectively, it's assessed for four million dollars. So they're paying taxes on four point one million dollars um, and you've purchased it for six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And I think the greatest response, really, I mean, at the end of the day, we can have this rhetorical debate about whether it's a good price or a bad price. At the end of the day, it's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Right. right. And we got two proposals that basically said, yeah, we'll buy it from you. We'll buy it from you for gladly for the amount that you bought it for. You know, home furniture said, we'll gladly pay you cash for that 
because we want the space and we think it's worth, gladly it's worth that. And the Mike Cinema deal also did that. Okay. So, so one, I just, I, I was laughing because as a database guy, the idea of, of LoopNet just seemed hilarious. That just, that's the wonkiest database idea that I've ever heard. So, yeah. A list of a list of commercial property available commercial properties that sure. like, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you can go on there and check them out and you know look for everything. And there's plenty of bombed out Kmart's and you know empty strip centers and lots. Of, I mean, there's lots of stuff available. Um, yeah, all over the map. I yeah. think you know it's you also you know there's also deals. I mean, just the other day, Pittsburgh Mills, which is a massive mall, sold for hundred dollars, you know, um, yeah. even though it was valued at one time at one hundred and ninety million dollars. Um, but it comes with all the debt. So, again, you know, it's like someone bought it for one hundred dollars, but they're also assuming all the right. debt sure. on the property. OK, so it's not just the transactional cost. Right. It's also, you know, these other considerations that are at play. And you might not know that if you were just doing simple research about about the background. Exactly. And like I said, it doesn't really matter at this point what we paid for it because both of our bidders had been more than willing to pay exactly what we paid for it to take it back. We we were confident we could do that and we're we're confident that we could reposition it. Now, you know, truth be told, the finance committee has decided to go a different route and rather transfer it to them, transfer the lease to MyCon for less than what we paid for it. But that allows us to do a deal that is faster and doesn't require a longer TIF district for them to build the building and other things. And so it just made sense from a taxpayer perspective to do that and to sell it for less. Okay. Um, but that and we can go into those details, too. But, you know, that was a conscious decision. Um, we could have easily you know, sold it to to the various parties for the exact amount we paid for it. Good. All right. So that I, I'd like to sort of focus on that little nugget right there. So you've, you've talked a little bit about how we're waiting on city council or common council to vote on X, Y and Z. But at the same time, it's it's been portrayed in the media and a little bit here like this is a done deal. So where where are we? Who, well, owns, you know, who owns think, the building today? Yeah. So we own the building. I mean, okay. um, the city owns the building, obviously. We've owned it since um, since the end of November. Um, and, you know, obviously we're in the process of making, you know, the, the final decision. We're right in the midst of the process. Both the Economic Development Committee and the Finance Committee have made have recommended, um, you know, that it be that it be basically sold to my con cinemas based on their proposal, based on what they've, what they've presented to the, to the city. Um, but you know, and like I said, the, the caveat or what we're waiting for is the common council to make a final decision, which will come potentially Tuesday. Good. So this Tuesday, all right, perfect. So now I have to get this podcast up quickly. All right. So, so today we own it. We're, we're in the process of, the the deal with the movie theater company yeah we're in the process in the sense that you know two committees have already reviewed it and right. made a recommendation you know um so yeah i don't want to make it seem like it's a done deal right. it's not but it is a deal that's moving because well two committees have already reviewed sure. it so you know you could say and you know this has been a very public process yeah folks know that we had nearly <laughs> last time i checked there were at least a dozen meetings that we had either agendized or you know, discussed or both, you know, the idea of the acquisition of the Sears building and then its redevelopment potential. Right. You know, so it's been heavily discussed within the community about what it should be. And I think that's what the mayor intended. That's what as staff we hoped for as well, is that this would be a public process that we could, you know, secure the building and then have say about what it could be used for, because it is a big part of downtown. And, you know, we want to preserve our rights. If, this lease was sold to some other entity. Um, they could use it until 2066 with very little, very little um, say from the city about what it could be used for. And um, as long as it was, you know, in, in general, certain retail uses. So, 
it could be a lot of things, and that's concerning, obviously, because we want to be sure that it's obviously something that um, that we want and that you know would be beneficial to downtown. It's a big chunk of the city. Okay, good. So I I, I agree with you on that. So what what is the MiCon planning to do? Sure. So, um, you know, we've had um, some forums. We recently had a media roundtable as well, you know, to talk about their proposal. And they've been open to answering all kinds of questions. In fact, you could call them and ask them yourselves as well. But I mean, they're proposing a, you know, a new, you know, a new cinema to be built on the location. They would tear down most of the Sears building. Um, and the, the, it would be a 10 screen cinema, including large format screens, uh, IMAX type screens, um, you know, and they, they went through how it would work. It would be obviously a luxury cinema with reclining leather seats and, um, you know, a bar and a grill and alcohol served in the theaters and those kind of things. It's, you know, the kind of latest trend when you look at the theater business, it's also one that's going through a lot of changes and a lot of cinemas have closed, but what is growing in that section or that segment of the market are these kind of luxury theaters that are more experiential that have, you know, food and, and, and liquor and have all the trimmings associated with it. Um, and those have been growing. In fact, it was just announced that, um, a new luxury cinema would be built at, um, at mall of America. Um, even though years ago, mall of America had theaters, they closed and now they're getting a theater again under this new format. You know, um, a recently CBL did a deal at, I think at Westtown uh, in Madison, where Flix Brewhouse, which is a more national chain, is looking to do the same thing. Again, it's a microbrew and a cinema, and they'll put, you know, kind of put the two together. Um, what's interesting with MyCon is it's a family-run business. They're based in Eau Claire. They have a series of theaters. Um you know, Mike Olson, who is the my and my con, you know, kind of grew up in the cinema business. Um, he worked for major cinema companies as managers and district regional district and regional managers over cinema companies and then started basically his own business. So they had been eyeing locations in Wausau for a while, um, but nothing kind of quite come together. And obviously they're excited about this location for various reasons. One being attached to the malls, a plus for them, generates a lot of activity um, on both sides. So it's a symbiotic relationship for both them and the mall. Attached to the parking deck is a big deal because, you know, I think everyone could acknowledge that having garage parking next to the theater will be really awesome, uh, especially on a day like today. Right. Um, you know, and they also recognize that the Wausau market was basically underscreened. This is what they're you know, in their kind of professional opinion, um, they look at that. They compare Wausau to peer-sized communities like Eau Claire, like La Crosse and Green Bay, um, Appleton mainly. And they look at those communities and say, well, these, these communities are very close in size to Wausau from an economic perspective, from a population perspective. Eau Claire is a great example. We're very similar in size to Eau Claire. Um, and they have significantly more screens you know, and they're nicer. I mean, they're, you know, there's more competition. And given here in Wausau that we only have one theater, it's at Cedar Creek. And it's, um, it's frankly, I think, you know, a bit behind the times uh, from a from a build perspective. Uh, it's not the latest uh, in technology, and not the latest in build. Um, and so, you know, that's what they're saying. You know, and they, they were answering that question, obviously, to the media and to public is saying, that's why we, we think that um, investing in Wausau is a good idea. You know, folks should know. I mean, they're they're going to be investing a significant amount of their their money to build a very expensive theater. You know, this will be a ten million dollar theater. Um, a minimum is what they have to spend and they have to prove that to the city in the you know through the development agreement process. So they they will spend a minimum of ten million dollars uh, on this facility. And that's a big deal. We don't have a lot of buildings that are worth ten million dollars in the city. Um, that will be one of the be one of the top top ten kind of buildings, um, and that's that's great for us, you know. So let's you you said prove it to the city. So let's talk a little bit about how the city incentivizes their commitment because I think it's 
it hasn't been sort of clearly laid out. So what is what does MyCon have to do as sort of requirements of essentially getting this property uh, at we'll just say under under yeah, value under under value, sure. value maybe or however whatever you the appropriate yeah. well, way. Well, getting to... it transferred basically for for nothing, right? You know, but I think the goal. Yeah, and this is something that both committees, and it has been heavily discussed at both committee. And you know, the the term sheet is um, is out there. It's on. You know, folks want to see it. It's on the council agenda right now. You can go to the council agenda and read the term sheet that defines you know the exact elements that are being you know kind of being considered for the for the MyCon proposal. You know, I think you know, MyCon was open to do this a couple different ways. They said yes, we can pay for. The theater now and then we would take you know to justify the project we would have to take some of the increment created by the building over a longer period of time in payments back um or you know or what we kind of alternatively suggested was well perhaps we can transfer the building at you know for nothing now and then the city gets all of the tax payments um right away and we don't have to pay them off over a period of time. And this allows us to you know, manage the TIF district more aggressively and doesn't have to drag out this kind of arrangement with them over the long term. And obviously, you know, we get $10 million of valuation. So there's been a lot of debate about, you know, this is really kind of a simple thing. It, I mean, there's a lot of debate, but it's quite it's really quite simple economics. The home furniture proposal was essentially We'll buy the building from you from what you paid for it, and we want to pay $3 million in taxes because that's what we need to pay for our project to work. Um, you know, that's not unrealistic, um, but, you know, it's just basically refixing up the existing Sears building and paying and paying those taxes. Um, the, the MyCon deal said, well, you know, we need city participation because we're going to build a much more expensive building. And so, you know, we can, you know, this land is more expensive than if we bought, you know, some strip mall land outside of the city. Um, it does require some environmental remediation. That's something that we've also worked with Sears on um, to, you know, to figure that out and to, to work that through. There's some environmental remediation that's most likely required under the um, under the old automotive center, but it's it doesn't appear to be um, it's been tested obviously and doesn't appear to be expensive, but is yet another step. And that's obviously the cost of demolition and cost of everything else. So when you consider all those extra costs, you know that's when my concept. Well, if you provide us um, the building for free and some kind of you know, incentive, then we will build a $10 million building and we'll pay taxes on a minimum of at least $6 million, which of course is double from home furniture. Knowing, you know, I think a lot of folks know, but just to clarify, we don't necessarily set the valuation of the property. We can't, you know, we can't set that in stone through the development agreement process. So, you know, we just wanted to ensure that they would pay at least a minimum of $6 million in taxes um, or $6 million worth assessed value of taxes every year. Um, you know, and, and that justifies the investment. So we're paying more upfront as a community um, to get this theater. Um, and you can look at it really two ways, a fiscal way to say, well, we're paying upfront, but we're getting a bigger building. We're getting a more valuable building that will pay taxes pay more taxes in the long term. Um, and it's, you know, it's double what, say, the alternative proposal might be. Um, or, and then the other aspect I think that was, that the community was weighing or the count, the committee was were weighing was just the strategic nature of it. So it's one thing to say, well, yes, it's good for taxpayers, which obviously this is, but it's also um, good for the community because it's bringing the right type of users or right type of mix of activity to downtown, which will be an asset for other properties and, and the city's other efforts. Um, you know, and the theater seems to fit that goal. When you look at malls and, and, and 
the effort to kind of reposition them. You know, these entertainment type of uses like a theater is exactly what malls need to do to kind of reposition themselves to survive. Good. All right. That's <clears throat> thank you for explaining that, because I think it it is fascinating, you know, sort of how how visceral some folks reactions are to to these proposals. I think it's you know, it's it is I really do like how, you know, you explain sort of the incentivizing of that of that. So so I sure. get yeah, we only incentivize things when we're going to get more out of it in right. the long term. Right? right. I mean, that's the sole reason here. And so the finance committee heavily discuss the idea of, well, yes, we could sell tomorrow, get exactly what we got into it and get a use into it. And hallelujah, we can do that. I mean, you know, it's really good news. And that should hearken everyone to understand that there is great marketability in downtown Wausau. There are users who want to be attached to Wausau Center and there is a path forward for, you know, for the community. So that's great. But, you know, in the same token, if we want a better use or a more expensive use, um, a vastly more expensive use, you know, $10 million minimum construction um, cost of a building that, you know, that's going to be, it's going to take some city participation. And that's not unusual. You know, it's not unusual that that's required. It's a, it's a site that requires a lot of different things that have to go on there. They have to build connections to the parking deck. They have to do this. They have to do that. These are unusual constraints that, they wouldn't necessarily have at other locations. And so, you know, that's one thing that we consider. Um, it's one thing the aldermen certainly consider as they're weighing the options. And I think they've made the decision or they're, you know, in the process of making the decision by weighing all those factors and saying, yeah, this, you know, we're going to invest a little, but we're going to get this, this and this. And that's actually better for us than if we were just to take um just to take the offer um, on the the other offer on the table. And, you know, I think they were heavily, um, you know, open minded in debating that because there's merits to both. So um, I have two more questions kind of uh, wanting to, to know a little bit more. So when as you guys were working on the deal, there was a lot of sort of rumblings about how, you know, you brought in stakeholders as, long, as well as kind of, you know, these community forums or community meetings that you had. So what what kind of feedback did you get from stakeholders as as you were aside from the forums as as you guys were kind of presenting this idea how did you know how did kind of the people who are on the inside of the economic development or the property development kind of look at this Sure that's an interesting question you know obviously we've had a lot of feedback um, we have a mall information hotline and email address and we've received you know various folks give their opinion about whatever, the future of the mall or future reuse of Sears or, or different kind of things going on. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the stakeholders seem to recognize that the theater use is important to downtown. That was a continual theme. Um, and then the question is, okay, at what price, right? Like at what value, um, you know, knowing that a theater is also a lot more expensive to build um, and knowing that the site is more challenging to build a giant theater on it, you know, what, you know, what, at what value do we as taxpayers or we as a community, you know, say we want, we want the theater over, over say a furniture store that could reutilize the space just as, as it is today, you know, and I think some of the aldermen obviously considered greatly the goal of diversifying the mall. We've talked about diversifying the mall for years um, and in fact, many of the folks who have been negative on the city, even getting involved with the mall, said, well, I'd be in favor of it. I don't want you moving yonkers around. I want you doing something that really repositions the mall. And this arguably is that opportunity, the chance to kind of change the focus of the mall away from retail and towards the kind of entertainment or experiential use that's going to be valuable to downtown. Here, you'll be able to go to have a dinner out and then go to the theater and then go have drinks at the bars across the street right afterwards. You know, that's something, it's an experience that you can, that you can only do here and that will be very unique, um, you know, for, 
for the city and for the region. So what's the value to that? I think that's what we've been weighing. You know, like what is there's an intrinsic value. Sure, there's the fiscal value. We've debated that. Like I said, um, we've considered those angles. But there's also just that strategic value that you say, this is what we need or this is what we'd like to see as a community um, because having a theater will bring the type of activity that we're looking for for downtown. And so everyone's had an opinion. I think if you wear your kind of just traditional, um, I, I'm only concerned about immediate you know, taxes or immediate issues of the city, you know, kind of making those payments, then you might lean towards you saying, just take the deal on the table, don't invest any city money in it, don't get involved with it, you know. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it's, it's been a good debate. Um, if you're the kind of folks that wear the hat where you say, well, it's worthwhile for the city to make sure that we have um, a different type of use or to invest in a larger building. Um, and that's not unusual. Obviously, they're bringing essentially 90 percent of this um, building. Obviously, they're paying for their financing. You know, we're just contributing, um, you know. Are, are a small portion of the total cost of this project. So then let's let's look forward a little bit. So if all if all the votes go according to plan, you know the city count the common council votes yay here we go go ahead. So when when do I get to go watch a movie downtown? Sure. Well, I guess not not even so much a plan. I mean, you know, from our perspective, you know, the mayor has been very kind of open to. You know, he's even kind of said he's you know kind of impartial in the process. He wants the council to be involved. He wants them to, you know, to have good debate and to understand the trade-offs between taking, you know, the the lower offer or taking the higher offer that requires city investment. What are the trade-offs and what are the opportunities that you get for making that investment? And so that's what they've been doing and you know, whatever they decide, I think is, you know, is is really fine by us. I think it's wonderful that we have two great proposals i think it you know it it says a lot about wasa it says a lot about the work that we've put in already you know to help kind of you know turn it around the mall's going to be in a state of flux for a while it's not going to be fixed overnight um and it has to reinvent itself if it if it's going to be a going concern and that's a challenge for them it's a challenge for the mall owner but you know we're doing our part um as landlord and seeing and making sure that the properties that we can assist are being turned as fast as possible. And if they do choose the theater, um, then, you know, obviously they will start demolition fairly quickly, um, over the coming weeks here, probably, um, they want to move as fast as possible. They do have to work closely probably with the DNR and some other entities. And, you know, they have a builder online, are ready to go, you know, set to set to move. They have architectural plans set. They have financing in place, so they're you know they will be ready to uh, start construction as fast as possible. The term sheet notes that they will open, you know, in sometime in 2018. You know, so depending on you know how fast they're able to get it done, it could be you know later summer in 2018. It might be early winter in 2018, whatever, but, um, they're, they're going to move as fast. It's, it's their incentive to open as fast as possible. So. Cool. Good. So did, did we miss anything? Is there anything you'd like, you'd like to add? I don't know. I guess that's everything. I mean, you know, uh, just to reiterate again, if folks have questions, they're welcome to call the mall information hotline. That's two, six, one, six, six, eight, eight. And they can, you know, we, staff that hotline were able to answer questions about any topic obviously but you know um they, they're able to do that or they could email mall at ci.wasa.wi.us and we're glad to answer inquiries um the mycon term sheet is on the council agenda for tuesday so anyone can go to the city's calendar on the main site at ci.wasa.wi.us and uh, click on the 24th, click on the Common Council link and open up the packet. And there's all the information there, their original proposal, and then the negotiated you know, term sheet, which is less, obviously, than their original proposal because we have worked to negotiate on it. 
Um, but you'll see, you know, kind of what to play, you know, what the taxpayer protections are, the requirements and the thresholds that they need to make. Um, you know, they obviously need to, uh, you know, to meet job requirements. They need to meet that minimum construction value requirement. They need to pay a minimum amount of taxes every year um, or a, a, what's called a pilot and or pilot payment, a payment in lieu of taxes. If for some reason their valuation falls below, you know, the minimum amount um, and they need to obviously construct a 10 screen modern you know, cinema like they've proposed and operate it, you know, um, a minimum amount of time sure. uh, every year. So those are the kind of provisions that ensure that we as taxpayers are getting what we want. You know, we're getting what we expected and we're and we're seeing it forward. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, that's it's a worthy discussion, you know, um, to have. And you know, Frank, I think it's exciting that we're able to kind of move it forward. We've been debating it for a while, obviously, you know, since, um, well, at least the RFP was in October. We probably need to move a little faster sometimes, you know, to make sure that projects are kind of getting done. But I think everyone wanted to be sure that this was heavily discussed. The mayor wanted to be sure that it was heavily debated within the public sphere, um, and, um, and lots of aldermen have, you know, talked with constituents and, and met with folks. And it's been, I think, a good, a good healthy debate about what the future should be of the mall and the future should be of, of downtown. And, and really, at the end of the day, this is our property. Um, you know, like, like we went back to the historical aspect. It's something that the city invested in years ago. It obviously needs reinvestment for better, for worse. You know, um, I disagree with folks who say, well, you know, we put money into that mall and now we have to put money into it again. Well, you know, we put money into it and we got a lot out of it over the years, but the market has changed. No one's defending, um, the model of enclosed malls anymore. I think we all acknowledge that it needs to change. And the question is, why wouldn't we as a city be a willing partner in making sure that it does change and change in the way that we want to see it change? Good. That's perfect. So we're going to post the, the numbers and stuff to go along with the website or to go on our website. So if okay. people want more information, they can, they can call. So uh, thanks for your time, Christian.
me feel like a man, I keep me crazy, crazy. 